Welcome back to Down for the Count, ladies and gents. I am one-fourth of your co-host, Tiffany E. And on behalf of Alexis, Janae, and Nicole, we'd like to welcome you to a new show. We have another show rolling on our Down for the Count platform, and we wanted to make sure you guys were excited, number one, and number two, very much invested in what we wanted to present. So without further ado, I'm going to let you guys listen to our new show, which is called What Had Happened Was... A lesson in history, wrestling history, more specifically with our girl, our wrestling historian, Alexis. So she's going to be taking this one solo dolo, and I hope you guys enjoy. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening to Down for the Count. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Down for the Count. It's your girl, Alexis, and I'm going to be running this show solo tonight. This is the start of a new segment that we're going to start doing here at D4TC called So What Happened Was. If you listen to the show, you always hear Janae, Tiff, and Nicole calling me the wrestling historian with all the useless knowledge and facts of wrestling's history and news that I know about. So figure let's put that to good use. Uh, also, you know, there's a lot of people who are getting into wrestling nowadays who don't know a lot of the crazy shenanigans that have gone down. Uh, throughout wrestling history so this would be a good way for if you're new to wrestling if you haven't heard of any of this before or at least tired of hearing the same back and forth this will at least give you a basic layout and outline of what went down and then if you feel free to look into a little bit more yourself or you can just be like eh, next um, if you have an idea for something we would like to talk about on So What ha- what Happened Was, let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and on the Anchor app. The only thing I will not talk about, however, is the Montreal Screwjob, because that has been done to death. If you want to hear a good recap of it, our friends over at Drunk Wrestling History did a really good show of the Montreal Screwjob, so go give them a listen. So let's get started. So tonight on So What Happened Was, we are going to talk about one of the most infamous moments in ECW history, the mass transit incident. Uh, Before I start, I want to send condolences on behalf of me and Tiff and Janae and Nicole to New Jack's family. Uh, Love and prayers to them. Also, I am not going to speak ill will of the dead as much as possible. I hate when Uh, People talk bad about someone who's not here to defend themselves, but I'm going to try not to do it. It may happen, but I'm not going to show favoritism. Um, I'm Switzerland in most of these situations, so um, yeah, we're going to let you make your own decision and go from there. So what can we say about New Jack? Uh, Yeah, dude was... Dude was fucking crazy. I'm just going to get it out of there right then and there. Um, Before New Jack came to ECW, him and his tag team partner, Mustafa, who formed the Gangstas, they were uh, running terror through Smoky Mountain Wrestling, where they weren't exactly treated the best by majority of the fan base. So New Jack and Mustafa threw it back at them. They'd come out and they would say some of the most craziest racist stuff to white people and... At one point, they had to have security follow them out of the arena because they were worried that they were going to get killed by some of these Smoky Mountain wrestling fans. Uh, One of the most craziest moments they ever did at Smoky Mountain was they took a white baby doll, put a noose around its neck, and proceeded to swing it around. 
to say the heat they got was fucking nuclear. Fast forward a couple of years later, and New Jack is an ECW, becoming one of the ECW OGs, along with Rob Van Dam, Raven, and Sandman, and Shane Douglas, who does not get a lot of love. So, November 23rd, 1996, Revere, Massachusetts, at the Wonderland Ballroom. A wannabe pro wrestler named Eric Kluas, I've heard his name pronounced three different ways, so we're just going to call him Eric. And his father, Stephen, arrive at the Wonderland Ballroom. Somehow, they manage to get backstage and get a meeting with Paul Heyman. Now, at the time, Paul Heyman was in charge of ECW. He was still running it. And he was in a bit of a pickle when this show started. Axel Rotten was supposed to be a tag partner for Devon Dudley in a match against the Gangsters that was scheduled for that night. Axel could not make it to the show. Now, reports are different as to why Axel couldn't make the show. But we're just going to say, for the benefit of the doubt here, that he just didn't make it to the show. So, Eric produces paperwork saying that he was 23 years old and that he was trained by Killer Kowalski. Now, Killer Kowalski is known for training Triple H in China, but he also trained the Eliminators, which... Perry Saturn was a part of in ECW, so of course, Paul took everything as gospel, said, sure, go ahead, go get ready for this match. You're going to go with Devon and go up against the gangsters. Now, I want y'all to remember that situation right there, because we're going to come back and touch on that real quick. So, according to the Blue Meeting, once once Eric came backstage... No one knew who he was. They thought he was a security guard because his gimmick was mass transit. He wore a bus driving, like a bus driver uniform. Get it? Yeah, and they said gimmicks today suck. Anyway, according to the Blue Meanie, this kid came back there very, very disrespectful to the locker room, um, began eating their food, began drinking their water, Pretty much uh, his exact words were being a dick to everyone in that locker room. And we all know locker room respect. Things have changed since, you know, 1996 when it comes to the locker room horror stories. The locker room etiquette is a very big thing, especially if you are a newbie and you are trying to get, you know, respect from the people who have been there longer. Because if you mess up, we all have heard the horror stories about people getting kicked out of the locker room, people having to be changed. In the, in the bathrooms, it's it's crazy. So we all know respect is key. Now, again, going with the Blue Meanie story, because I honestly believe him more than some of the people who used to work at ECW, this kid has went as far as lighting up a cigarette in a locker room. And he did that around Taz, who was a huge health nut. And this isn't like WWE Taz when they neutered him. Like, this was ECW, human suplex machine, Taz, who could kill you three times before you hit the ground, if he really wanted to. Uh, The late Chris Candino's brother, Johnny, who worked for ECW at the time, uh, he backs up what Meanie said, that this kid came in very rude, total dick to everybody. His locker room etiquette was non-existent. So besides making himself look like a total dick in front of the entire locker room, Eric made his final mistake. He told New Jack what 
to do. He went up to New Jack and he basically demanded New Jack do what he wanted to do for this match. He, how, according to sources, kept saying how he wanted his match to go, what spots he would and would not do. And then the nail in the coffin, he wanted color from New Jack. So New Jack obliged. He said he'd give him color. Bro, you fucked up the minute you said that to New Jack. Uh, Blue Meanie has also said in another interview, I know I seem to be quoting Blue Meanie a lot, but the interview that he gave about this makes total sense. And again, Blue Meanie is a very cool dude, and he doesn't really try to get into trouble or do anything. Just says it as it is. But anyway, Blue Meanie says in an interview that you never, ever, ever, ever let someone else cut you. You know your pain threshold, especially if you're new to the wrestling business. But even for like those of us who are not in physical jobs or sports nuts or anything like that, we know our body's limits better than anybody. And this kid wanted someone else to blade him. And I know we've talked about it on the show. It's just a little side note. I know if we've talked about it on the show, how blading is dangerous. But at least those guys know their pain thresholds. And there's a lot of tricks and gimmicks to having blood come out or when you get cut. And we might talk about that on the show one day. But there are ways to do things without actually getting cut by a knife. But... Eric told New Jack he wanted a color, and he wanted color from New Jack. So New Jack being New Jack said, okay, I'll give you color. Now I just want to give you a heads up here. I want to start talking about some graphic stuff that went on in the match. Uh, if you are, I'm not going to go into full detail, but if you are squeamish, uh, this is your warning. So just want to give you a heads up. So the match itself, the match itself is on YouTube, and I made myself rewatch it for this segment. And these are my exact notes. Jesus Christ, Jesus fucking Christ, like legit Jesus Christ. I've seen this before. Why is it still freaking me out? So when Eric entered the ring, he was Acting like a shit heel. He was taunting the audience. Remember, this is an ECW audience. We all remember and know how ECW audiences work. Acting like a shit heel. Flipping them off. Being just disrespectful. So, and I just have to mention, if you go back and watch the video, Devon, the entire time, looks so uncomfortable standing in that ring. So I feel bad that Devon has to be part of this. Well, then the match starts. Devon and Mustafa fight in the crowd. They're out of the ring, so Eric and New Jack can do their thing. Homeboy basically caught a beating. You know how Braun Strowman's always like, you can catch these hands. Well, he caught these hands, a crutch, a chair, a couple other things, like basically getting the shit kicked out of him. And from hearing how he acted, I'm pretty sure no one in the locker room was feeling bad for him. And then came the cut. Now, there's debating stories, whether it was a scalpel, a knife, a box cutter. I think those are the three ones. 
But from what I could see on the video, it looked like a scalpel. So I'm going to call it a scalpel. New Jack grabs, his grabs Eric's head and proceeds to slice his forehead open. According to New Jack, he sliced it down to the skull. Arteries were nicked. And if you know anything about a blood a head wound, blood always gushes out. But, uh, yeah, that's besides the point. He was bleeding like a stuck pig. And, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you want color from New Jack. Now, the match, peop the match was in a frenzy. Um, the audience was loving it because here, who's this fucking asshole coming out, causing all, doing all this, and then you get stabbed by New Jack, like they were applauding him. Towards the end of the video, however, you can hear Eric's father screaming the infamous lines, stop, stop the match, he's 17, he's a kid, stop the match. Now let's back up to a little bit before this match happened when Heyman was met by Eric and his father and was told all these lies. Now, who's depending on the story? Eric said his age ranged from anywhere between his early 20s to 23. As the story goes, false paperwork and ID that he provided to Heyman said that he was 23. There's... He was... And here's where there's some monkey wrenches thrown in here, and I'm not really sure how true this is, but this is just rumors and allegedly, we're just going to call it the allegedly section. So allegedly, he gave paperwork to Heyman saying that he was 23. Others said that he was anywhere from between 20 to 23. We're going to go with 23 because that's the one Heyman has said. Now allegedly also, there was a little person wrestler named Tiny the Terrible. He was supposedly going to be the replacement for Axel for that tag match. But then he was bumped for Eric. So he actually also said, or vouched, said, he said, oh yeah, this kid training with Kowalski, he's good, he's good. Now from what I was able to research, Killer Kowalski does does have a wrestling school at the time in Massachusetts. Now, from what I've seen on forums, from people who have been students at Kowalski School, they said that Kowalski would actually go with them to events to vouch for them to say, yes, they're ready. So, and apparently Kowalski was there. More weirdness to this, but overall, what happened was, long story, didn't read, too long, didn't read, 17-year-old kid snuck backstage with his dad to an ECW event, somehow got into a match with Devon, with Devon against the gangsters Mustafa and New Jack, and New Jack gave him the ass-kicking of a lifetime and cut him open. Yeah, a little, it's, it's crazy. As Eric was being escorted out of the ring, he was still being a shithead. 
flipping off the crowd, being rude to Tommy Dreamer of all people who was trying to be nice to him because Tommy Dreamer is that nice of a person and he also has way more patience than me. And when he got to the locker room, allegedly he told his dad, who was freaking out, I'm one of the guys now, dad. I'm one of the guys. Just a side note here. Um, I'm a parent myself. And I could never, ever imagine, even if my child's dream was to be a pro wrestler, I would support them 125%, okay? But there is no way, in my right mind, would I drive them to an ECW event, get paperwork forged for them to do this, and then start freaking out when you know what's going to happen. Because guess what? It comes out later on that Eric was a big fan of ECW. He watched it with his dad. So they knew exactly what was going on in those kinds of shows. I could never, ever, as a parent, allow myself to be that stupid. I know that sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but it's like you put your own son's life at danger. You lied to him. You lied about his age. Now, I don't know if I I haven't been able to find anything, but if anyone knows this, I could not find anything about Eric's father being brought up on any kind of uh, charges for falsifying paperwork or endangering a minor or anything like that. So if anyone has heard anything about that, please let us know. Now, kids, Aunt Alexis is going to give you a proper lesson on why we do not trust the media. So after... The incident happened. The footage got take or Eric's family got a hold of the footage, and they started shipping it around to every news outlet that they could get their hands on. Inside Edition was one of those news outlets. Like Inside Edition is kind of like TMZ, but they try to be a little bit more classier trash, if that's the best way to explain it. They flipped the entire narrative that. They let this young, innocent, poor child go in this ring, get an ass-kicking, and get bladed by New Jack. There was nothing of him being, him lying about his age, him telling New Jack to cut it for him. There was nothing like that. They made ECW and New Jack look like the bad guys, and this kid, Eric, was a total saint. This is why we don't trust the media, children. Three years later, Eric's family took had their first trial against New Jack. Uh, they brought him up on charges of assault and battery. However, that was thrown out when New Jack took the stand and others who were in that locker room, not even wrestlers, just people who worked for ECW at the time, who said that, that Eric asked New Jack to cut him. It was also shown on tape where Eric was making faces that caused the blood to come out quicker. They tried again with a civil, Eric's family tried again with a civil case against New Jack, but that was immediately thrown out when they got not only a hold of the tape with Eric yelling or Eric's father yelling, he was 17 years old, but they also found out that he willingly competed at his own risk. And also, was the same time when they found out that he lied about his age to even be set in foot in that ring. 
So twice they tried to sue New Jack, and twice all their lies came out. New Jack walked away scot-free. Now, I have a question for you listeners. Why do you think they, that Eric's family squarely went after New Jack? They never went after Paul Heyman. They never went after ECW. They went directly to New Jack. New Jack, I mean, he's an ECW wrestler. They weren't exactly making mad money back in the day, probably. But why didn't they go after New... They didn't go after Heyman and ECW itself. Just something to think about. However, there was severe consequences for ECW at, as all this came to, you know, came to light. Again, they were being vilified by the media, them being this horrible company that did this to this poor kid, no matter what the outcome came to. Their first pay-per-view, ECW's inaugural pay-per-view, Barely Legal 97, nearly didn't make it to air. It was dropped by almost every pay-per-view, distri- pay-per-view distributors at the time. Heyman had to beg and plead with, any, with a distributor. Fans wrote in letters defending ECW, saying, look, it's usually not like this. Please give them a chance. Finally, the distributor agreed with the following conditions. From a, Instead of a 7 p.m. start time, it was a 9 p.m. start time. They wanted a script early before the show started, and they wanted to approve it, and no excessive gore and blood. Of course, Heyman agreed, and we were able to get Barely Legal 97, in April 1997, a month after it was supposed to originally be shown on pay-per-view. And we all know what happened from there. New Jack has had plenty of more infamous times in wrestling history. ECW went under and was bought by WWE. And then again in 2002, more stuff comes up with this. Eric passed away in 2002 due to complications from weight loss surgery. Now, I saw multiple stories where he went, apparently, and these are just rumors, so I'm going to say allegedly, okay? Allegedly, he got the work done down in Mexico, something happened, it, there's a lot of crazy stuff. Again, I don't want to speak ill will of the dead, because they're not here to defend themselves, but he did die at a very young age in 2002. Now... Here's the kicker. His parents tried to sue New Jack again. So this is the third time Eric's parents have taken New Jack to court. They claimed it was New Jack's fault that Eric died because that moment with New Jack gave him depression and an eating disorder. Now I am not trying to fat shame anybody. Let me get this let me get this real quick here, okay? Eric was never a small guy to to start with. When he showed up to do this match, he was already hitting anywhere between 350 and 400 pounds. By the time he passed away, he was about pushing 600 pounds from what I saw. So this isn't exactly New Jack's fault. And New Jack again got off scot-free. Now New Jack has never held his sustain back for Eric or his family. Uh, he t- was doing an interview when he found out that he was di- Eric had died, and he goes, "I hope that fat motherfucker is roasting in hell." Uh, to this, up to the day that he died, when anyone asked about it, 
New Jack would defend himself, saying the same thing that he's told uh, news outlets like Dark Side of the Ring. He asked me to do it. He's, you know, he, he exactly, I'm not going to exactly quote what New Jack says, but uh, New Jack, New Jack was being New Jack. Um, uh, currently, I haven't been able to find it because everyone was flooding his Twitter, but New Jack's last tweet before he passed away was to Eric saying to this day that he did nothing wrong. He did what Eric wanted him to do. And basically, New Jack said, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. So my final thoughts on the mass transit incident was that this kid, I'm going to call him a kid because he was 17, this kid was an idiot, and his father should be forever ashamed that he was the one who drove his kid to the show, who got fake paperwork for his kid, basically almost saw his kid get murdered, murdered in the ring. I can't talk today. Basically almost saw his kid get murdered in the ring. And then he tried, him and his wife tried to use that to get money to make a quick payday. I think it's just really weird that they kept going after New Jack, but not once did they ever try to go after Paul Heyman, and not once did they ever go after ECW. I think Paul Heyman is some is a little bit to blame in here too, because he took the word off of some dude from the street that he was a trained wrestler, and honestly, he should have just he should have just done something. There was time to change the match. You could have made it, as Tiff said when I was talking to her about this, they could have made it a two-on-one match. They could have just scrapped the match. They could have done something else. But it's just it just kind of makes me side-eye Eamon, like you just let anybody from the streets walk in saying they can do this, and you let them do this. Um, now, people have told me when I told them that I was going to do this, they said Tiny the Terrible was the reason for a lot of this to go down because he said he he said oh yeah you know this kid trained with Kowalski there's there's a lot of, unfortunately as time has gone on with this stuff has changed people have changed their stories people have said this that and the other and there's always three parts to a story it's what you say it's what they say and then what actually went down all I can get from this story is that please use your better judgment and if you want to become a wrestler please Go through proper training. Go through wrestling schools. Don't think you can jump in the ring. And even if you want to be a hardcore wrestler, that's great. But please learn how to do this hardcore stuff safely. We've already lost too many people from this business at a very young age. Just be careful. And don't don't be stupid. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the inaugural episode of So What Happened Was. Again, uh, if you have any topics that you want to talk about, because uh, I have plenty. I want to talk about Bruiser Brody. I want to talk about Collision in Korea, the plane ride from hell. Please let us know what you would be interested in hearing about. Uh, you can hit us up on our Twitter, Instagram, and Anchor app. You can leave us a voicemail there. And again, the only story I will not talk about is the Montreal Screwjob because I am over it. And so is everybody else in wrestling at this point. As always, I am your girl, Alexis. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a great night and stay safe wherever you are.
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed our first installment into our wrestling historian series, I guess you can say. Alexis is very good with making sure you have all of the information. She did a bang up job in this episode. So I hope you guys give her some love and make sure you guys let us know what you think about this episode. Comment on our social media. You can always comment on our anchor or send us a voice message on anchor. If you have any suggestions for any wrestling history you'd like us to cover as a group or solo dolo with the wrestling historian herself, Alexis, don't hesitate to contact us. You can always find us on Twitter at down for the count 19, or you can find us on Instagram at D4TC underscore podcast. We try to respond to every single message. So if you are looking for a specific story in history, especially in wrestling history that you want us to cover, then don't hesitate to hit us up and we'll be sure to do that. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Down for the Count. And don't worry, all of the news that has come out within the last couple of weeks, we are going to cover. You'll get that next week. So thank you so much, and we'll see you guys next time.